Well, welcome back, everyone. And uh, our question for this week is, can you really make a living on social media and YouTube? So uh, talking about that, uh, we have, I'm, I have to say I'm giddy because we have one of my favorite YouTubers with us, uh, James Wright from Woodby Wright. And hey, y'all. How's it going? Woodby Wright, uh, how to? So you have two channels now. I actually have 11 channels. You have 11 channels. Oh, goodness. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I am familiar with two of your channels. So yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, how do you have, do you actively juggle 11 channels? Right now, I have I have two that are active money makers. I have two that are they make a little bit, and they're kind of a side hustle hobby. Um, and then the rest of them are my own hobbies. Oh, okay, okay, interesting. Uh, that's that's neat. I played with YouTube several years ago when my kids were much younger, and actually before my youngest was born. And I think I've got like. 30 videos on it or something like that. Uh, there's there's mm -hmm. not a lot. Um, and every once in a while, I'll put something up. It's just like a hobby project. Uh, but it is definitely a side thing for me when I have time to put something together. So, um, Well, I found you through your woodworking uh, channels. Um, are, are those the two? I'm assuming those are the two biggest oh, yeah. ones you have, right? Yeah. <clears throat> not currently, whatever, 200,000, 100,000 each. Yeah, and, and I, I added it up, and it was like seventeen hundred videos, uh, roughly. Um, well, those are the the public ones. Um, yeah, I've got. Uh, mm. I'm just over two thousand total between those two. Is, are those ones you just didn't want to publish, or are those ones that are waiting to be published in the pipe, or how does that work? Um, no, um, the well, the the channels had several renditions. Um, okay. And so if I put up a video that covers the exact same topic I used to cover, um, I'll take mm. down an old video that has information oh. I don't want. Um, it, I, you know, I changed my mind on something or <laughs> something has come out. Or like new info or something like go. that. Um, yeah, there isn't a whole lot of new info in the woodworking world. Because <laughs> you, you do hand tool woodworking, right? Yes. Uh, and if I remember right, you used to be a power tool woodworker. So how did, how did the switch yeah. happen? Well, um, I was raised power tools. Um, I, my, my father brought me into the shop when I was five, and so I learned with him. And by the time I left the house, he had basically built every piece of furniture in our house. Um, and oh. by the time I had left, I had built all the furniture for my first house. Um, and so I was basically thrust into woodworking early. And when I got my own place, I built my own shop, and I had a table saw, planer, jointer, the whole nine yards, full shop. And I was actually looking at um, turning it into a full-time business, selling furniture and making things for people. Because I had made a few things for a few, few other people and friends. Mm -hmm. um, but we ended up moving five times in three years for mm -hmm. all different reasons. Um, and every time we moved, I moved into a smaller house. And I really didn't want to move all those tools again. And so I ended up selling a bunch and moved again. I sold a bunch more. And in our last house, I sold all my woodworking tools and just assumed I was done. Um, and also at the same time, I became a stay-at-home dad because mm. my job, I was making just a little more than we were paying the babysitter to watch the kid while I was at work. So <laughs> why am I working? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so I became a stay-at-home dad. And this house, we had a tiny little space, about 10 foot by 10 foot. And I thought, you know, I could do woodworking in there, but I can't, there's not enough space to do full power tools in the basement there. So I 
came across hand tool woodworking, and that is safe for the kids to be around. It's quiet. Mm -hmm. It's dust-free, so I don't have to worry about tracking dust all throughout the house, and I can do it in my basement. I can do it while they're napping, uh, and I can do it in a small space because hand tools don't take up any space. And it's a, it was kind of one of these aha moments, and I got to rediscover woodworking. And so my, my main channel literally started with me bringing home my first plane, and I said, okay, here's this plane. We're going to restore it. And everything from there on out has been documented in it. And I've I've watched so several had... of the early ones and, and, and seen some of those and they're they're <laughs> I've been impressed with the way the the production quality has advanced over time. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for putting it nicely. <laughs> I hey, I started shooting on like an old, you know, digital camera thing and the early mm -hmm. ones are horrible and then I moved to like an iPhone four and have kind of worked my way up. Any video you see on my channel is shot on a smartphone. So, yeah. So when you sh when you did your first, you know, with the hand tool, it sounds you put it up on YouTube. So were you already sort of dabbling with YouTube at that point? Um, well, at that point, I had probably about six channels, but not for because okay. a lot of people now think about I want to make a channel to to make an mm -hmm. income. Mm -hmm. Back then, that was about ten years ago. Um, no one was making money on it. Right. And I made, I, every time I got a new hobby, I made a channel for it and documented my process. Oh, okay. Uh, and so I have a channel for, for building a fiberglass airplane. I have a channel for working on trebuchets. Um, I have a channel for real estate. Um, things that I was having fun with and I made videos to document what I was doing in it. And Wood by Right was the exact same way. Mm -hmm. um, I, I had, it was originally called... Uh, I don't remember what I originally entitled it. It was something else <laughs> just to put a, a hobby name on it. So what what started that that hobby of recording and documenting the hobbies themselves? Um I I th well, just before I left my parents' house, my dad got a digital camera. And <laughs> nowadays you look at it, it's it was a shoulder mounted thing and it was one of the <laughs> first ones where it 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 still had these tapes that were well, about three inches by four inches by about an inch thick, and it would hold about an hour's worth of, of digital mm -hmm. uh, recording on there. And uh, he let me mess around with it, which I don't know why he would. He spent a crazy amount of money on the thing. <laughs> um, and so I just enjoyed it, and I made mm -hmm. dumb little videos for the sake of... This was long before YouTube. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I found that I, I enjoyed that. And so I just made videos for the sake of making videos. I, I, I liked it. Very cool. And, and when you when you were doing that in the beginning, what were you doing all your editing on? Were you doing oh. Mac PC? Just No, curious. back then it was just a... It, um, there was a, a Windows app. Uh, Windows... I think it was like Windows Video Editor. Yeah. It was like, it was like Paint for... Videos. Yeah, the the old old. Yeah, I remember that one. Okay. So I do have to ask this: Are you awesome. a Mac or a PC guy? Oh, PC. All okay. <laughs> we're we're both we're both Mac people. Um, uh -huh. And just have been for years. Uh, I have a Windows machine, or I should say, I have Windows installed on an iMac because one of my hobbies is ham radio, and I have to have Windows to program one of the radios. So. Um, well, up until a few years ago, I was all Red Hat. So. Mm. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> Now, now I'm a little more impressed. That's, that's hardcore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's good stuff. Nice. Um, so I discovered your channel um, right 
probably a couple of months before COVID. Um, mm. cause I was, I had a lot of time on my hands for a variety of, of reasons. Um, and then COVID hit like two months after that. Um, and I stumbled across your channel and a, a couple of other people's channels because I actually, so my grandfather had a, a small ranch in Texas that he had inherited from his father. And I don't know if you've ever been on some of these small hundred ish acre farms where they did everything like the old style homesteads. You walk yeah, into yeah. a barn and realize the barn is being held up, not by the walls, but by everything that is inside the barn. And there's like yeah, little pathways yeah. through. So, um, I, I found, um, and, and brought out this, I think it's a, the blade says Fulton, but there's no markings on it. So I found this, you know, a uh, little hand plane and a, a uh, little craftsman block plane, and then this little teeny tiny, teeny tiny thing, which is a plane ah, squirrel of some tail. kind. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I have no idea what it's used for. Um, but and then some other old tools and stuff. So I started restoring those, cause, um, or trying to figure out how to restore those. And then I discovered the the hand tool woodworking, and I've been playing with that as much as I've had time to. Um, so that's how I, I stumbled across your channel. And one of the things I really am impressed is you take the time to like break things down and explain stuff and talk about the history. So where, since you're newer to hand tool woodworking, like you, you said, you grew up power tool, where, where do you get the history from? How much research goes into something like that? Or... <laughs> well, um, my wife will tell you when I get into a hobby, I go headlong into it and every waking moment of anything I do is research and study and experimentation. Um, and for the first six months or so, you know, I'm a stay at home dad with kids and I would have the time they were what, three, four and five. Mm. Um, and I, I just needed something to, to keep myself sane. And so I would watch videos and read books and, and study. And I, I got at that time, YouTube was small enough that when I, when I found a video of someone who was doing something, I would, find their contact information call them and ask them mm -hmm. hey can i give you a phone call and so i got to be uh, good friends with a lot of the the big names now that were you know little back then and uh it, it was nice to have someone to pounce bounce ideas off of um, and that's probably the the biggest place where i got most of my hand tool information was just getting to know people in the space and asking questions well that's cool um I've I've been looking for resources and I've I've ordered a lot of books that I haven't had time to read all of them, um, and I'm I'm slowly working my way through them. The other thing is I find myself getting jealous because a lot of the people who seem to do this are in the Midwest. It feels like and y'all can find planes, especially like wooden planes and, and the, the flea markets and stuff. And I walk around Texas and I'm like I'm in Central Texas and I'm like, yeah, we don't have that stuff here. It's or at least it's nowhere near as abundant. Um, so. Uh, yeah. you know, I hear y'all say things like, you know, I found this for $5 at a, you know, at a flea market. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, wow, that's, that's awesome. I walked into an antique store and they had one and they wanted 80 bucks for it and it's solid rust, you know? Um, yeah. but one, one of my goals is to try and either build or restore some kind of wooden plane because this is all I have left of my grandfather's handle. And huh. so that's going to be one of my challenges. The other question I have for you is like, where do you source your lumber? Because that's a struggle for, I know a lot of people here because we've got home Depot and we've got Lowe's and maybe an Ace yeah. hardware if we're lucky. And 
especially in Texas, that's uh, it's harder down there. Unless, mm-hmm. unless you want to make things out of mesquite. <laughs> and mesquite's horrible to work with. Um, Even finding a big enough one, most of the mesquite trees are like more like shrubs down here. So yeah. finding a decent one to cut yeah. is hard. Yeah, the for me, I like to find local sawyers, but that means you have to have woods around for a local sawyer to to work with. If you are in a city, um, sometimes you will find urban loggers uh, that that take down trees in you know the, the street rows and things of that nature. Um, and usually they will list things on Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist, and you'll see you know slabs for sale, mm-hmm. rough cut, and often green mm-hmm. slabs. Um, and I get to know them and say, hey, I've been looking for wood like this. And they're like, oh, yeah, I've got a couple of logs out here. I'll be milling up sometime. Um, that's where I, I probably get most of my lumber. Um, but one of, the things I, I, one of the things I try to do on Wood by Right is create resources for people. And one of those resources is lumberfinder.com. Mm. Um, and it is a map of the entire world. And I now have, what is it, 800 different locations on there for where people have been finding lumber. Oh, that's um, cool. Whether it be lumber yards, stores, local sawyers, um, all the way up and down. Yeah, we, we had one. And this is your site? Yes. Very cool. Oh, that's, all, that's awesome. Uh, I'm learning things now, right? Uh, I did not realize <laughs> that was a resource, so that's, that's awesome. We, we had one place I was getting some reclaimed wood, uh, but somebody decided they wanted to put up a gas station, so they brought in a bulldozer and bulldozed almost a half acre of reclaimed wood into piles and just oh. lit it on fire. Uh, oh. I know it was, and they didn't tell anybody. Yeah. They didn't have like a going out of business sale or a clearance thing or anything. Cause if they had, you know, I would have showed up with yeah, the trailers been, and that would have been gone if somebody would known. But no, yeah. I found out when I like turned the corner cool. and saw the smoke and went, Oh God, they burned it all. And yeah, yeah there's a, a camp just North of here. And uh, one of the guys who worked at the camp used to have a little portable sawmill. And so they would, anytime they lopped down trees on the on the, the camp's property, that he would mill them up, and they had a whole barn full of it, uh, probably somewhere around ten to fifteen thousand board feet. Um, and it was oak and maple and and uh, uh, everything, uh, walnut and everything um, local. And I went up there and I bought like four hundred board feet. They were selling it for fifty cents a board foot, oh, just wow. dirt cheap. I took as much as I could fit in my van. <laughs> and I went up uh, about six months later to get another load, and they had chopped it all up into firewood. Oh gosh! Oh wow! <laughs> uh, and, and you know, I did they not realize what they were what they had, or uh, they just, you know, I, I, deal I mean, with if, it, or? if they were to sell it at market value, they had you know probably somewhere around fifty, sixty thousand dollars worth of wood. Yeah. But the problem is, you need a way to sell that. And you could sell a board or two every now and then to someone local, but selling off the lot would be almost impossible and they just didn't want to mess with it. And so it was easier for them to just chip it all up and they use the wood for burning all the time. So is this why lumber finder is a thing now? For that <laughs> yes. sort of situation? Yes. yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. I, and Excuse me. Lumberfinder.net, not.com. Cause I wasn't able to get the .net. Lumberfinder.net. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll find it and we'll put it in the show notes for sure. Yeah. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, so, uh, so I've kind of got an oddball question for you. you. You did a video on a Cooper's plane, and I haven't had a chance to do any research yet. And it's this monster plane that apparently you sit upside down. <laughs> what is cooping? I don't know what cooping is. I'm just curious. Uh, a Cooper made barrels and um, 
yeah. uh, mugs and buckets, things of that nature. Okay. Um, coopering is the the art of holding together a water container with staves and bands. Cool. So why is their plane ginormous then, I guess? Or do... um, because they are working on odd shapes, and it's easier to take the, the stave to the plane than it is to take the plane to the stave. Um, that, and they'll be doing like four or five passes on the board and then getting another one. And they, the amount of time spent clamping and unclamping to use the plane in your hand uh, would have not been useful. Whereas if you, the plane is sitting still, it's you can take the board sure and run can, to it, and you can go through pretty sense. quickly. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Kind of like using a draw knife on curves and stuff. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. So at, at some point, you noticed your channel was picking up steam. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what did you do? What, what, sort of what happens then? Well, the the weird one for me, because I mean, I'd done this with a bunch of other channels, um, mm -hmm. and this one was just me documenting things for my own sake, and I'm just talking through what I'm doing, why I'm doing it, so I could go back and look at it in the future. Right. Um, and probably about seven or eight videos in, I got someone who got on there and commented on one and asked a question. I thought, that's weird. Who in the world's watching this? Uh, <laughs> and... And so rather than answering his comment directly, I found it was actually easier to make a video and and answer it properly. Mm, and I put okay. that up and thought that was it. But then I got several other questions and I made several other videos to answer those questions. And I was like, well, if there's actually people looking at this, then maybe I could put out a couple other videos. And so I did that and I got up to probably 50, 60 subscribers and, and, and didn't. I wasn't going to be going anywhere with it, but I was having fun answering people's mm -hmm. questions and, and showing what I was doing. But then uh, Matt Cremona, another woodworker, um, and at the time he had like, what, 40,000 subscribers, which was just bonkers crazy at the time. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, some of the biggest channels at that time had like 100,000 subscribers. Um, he mentioned me in one of his videos and showed something I had done. And overnight I went up to 300 subscribers. Wow. And I had to do something for that. And so I, <laughs> I, I put out more videos and it just kind of, it, it snowballed from there. And uh, uh, before I knew it, I had over a thousand and I could actually make some money on it. And my wife said, well, if you make some money on it, you can buy tools. And I said, I'm going to make more money on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good incentive. I'll let you buy toys if yeah. you continue to yeah. do well. Yeah, You can keep that now money it's up and to, spend it on your thing. Yeah, I... <sighs> A gross income is, you know, several six figure. Oh um, wow! And so it's wow. it's, yeah, it's a, it's a nice income now. <laughs> I like how you said gross. So how much? Always the taxes and the stuff that people don't. Think yeah, of. I mean, yeah. tax wise, I make about five thousand dollars a year, um, but that's also <laughs> including my wife's income. Um, mm -hmm. and so th when you, when you work for yourself, there's a lot of fun things you can do with your own house and the things you're working mm -hmm. in. Uh, Cause it's right. about 50% of my house is dedicated to wood by right. And, um, yeah, my, my parents normal have a... household things you buy normally. Now I can say they're tax exempt. My, my parents have right. a farm and a small business and like they keep receipts for everything so they can do like yeah. write offs and stuff and. So that's yeah, it's it's amazing how that stuff works, and then you need an accountant and all those things to, to really make.
work. <clears throat> so do, at this point, do you have staff now? I mean, is there, is it, are we there yet? Uh, or? I have, I have several people who I, um, who I work with. Like I have a, a videographer who comes down every two weeks and we shoot mm -hmm. videos together. Um, and he gets paid half of my YouTube ad revenue. Okay. Um, which sounds like a huge chunk of it, but the YouTube <laughs> ad revenue is like 10% of my actual income. Okay. Um, so okay. he's making about 5% of what I do from that. Um, I have another guy that I hire for making plans and he gets paid by um, basically how complicated the plans are. are. Um, is he doing the drafting work for those? No, I do the, I do the, the CAD work and then I send it off okay. to him. He does the actual um, creating the measured images and compiling them gotcha. into PDF formats that you gotcha. can okay. print off and hand to people. Okay. And there's, there's a few other people who I pay for, other individual things. Um, my goal right now is um, I, where we are right now, my wife could quit her mm -hmm. job and she is nursing management. She's um, the director of a, a, a hospital near her. Um, mm -hmm. So she's making serious money. Mm -hmm. um, and we want her to quit and come work here. And I would right. love for that to happen. The problem is it's such a flexible thing mm -hmm. and I can't always guarantee that my income is going to be where it is. And so we want it to be right. well over and above what we want it to be. Um, yeah, you would have that and so she could quit her job and come work right now. And so we're trying to get everything to the point where she can quit. You feel comfortable to come on full time with Wood by Right. Um, but that's the other thing well, is I want to keep be... it in the family. Is I, I'm training my kids yeah. to do uh, video work and things like that, and they're actually helping around the shop. And to really make so, are you still business. doing? Oh, yeah, yeah. different. So you're still doing all the editing yourself. Um, this... my my videographer does the rough edit of the Saturday videos. Um, okay. He'll, he takes all of the the build shots and compiles it into one big file. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I. Um, edit on the intros and outros. Um, I still do all of the shorts and the Thursday videos and then the live videos. Okay. Um, but he does probably four hours worth of editing a week on the, the main okay. channel. So I have a question on that. How much focus have you started putting on shorts? Because I've noticed it feels like shorts are blowing up everywhere. I go to Facebook, I go to YouTube, and they're just all over the mm -hmm. place. And as much as I don't like them i find myself clicking on them and yeah. it feels like it's i haven't used tiktok daniel has played with tiktok a little bit uh, but i haven't installed it but it feels like that's where it came from almost yeah. like these little tiny short videos yeah it's well it, tiktok started off and just absolutely exploded and all mm -hmm. of the other companies realized that if we're not doing something to capture this particular more mode right uh, then then we're going to be losing out. And shorts are the lifeblood of most social medias right now. Mm -hmm. However, they don't make money. They are abysmal at, at ads because they are so short. You can't really get ads worked into them as well as you can in other things. So they're not right. great at making money, but they are great at pe keeping people on the platform and they are good for increasing audiences. Um, so mm. I mean, to give you an instance, um, my, 
on my uh, my second channel, the How To channel, um, I might make two thousand dollars a month on ad revenue. I'll make like three hundred dollars a month on shorts. Okay. Um, and so, income wise, it, it's 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 nothing. However, um, my channel has absolutely exploded with shorts because it is a great way for random people to find you because they'll be scrolling through it and they can see, you know, a dozen different creators in a matter of minutes. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, they might find something that's like, oh, that that's kind of interesting. I've never seen that before. And if YouTube sees that you've watched that a little longer than you've watched others, well, then like four or five later, it's going to give you that same creator again. Mm-hmm. And if you watch that one again, then it's going to give you another one. And then it's going to say, okay, you like this creator. Next time you're looking at regular videos, we're going to put up his regular videos in front of you. And then if they click on that, that's when they usually start becoming a subscriber and you start seeing more and more views from that. Um, And I went from, uh, let's see, I was at like 50,000 views a month um, to now this last month I hit, what was it, 9 million? Wow. Um, and that's since I started October last year. Um, yeah, so it's it's been... Wow. Yeah, it is it's it's it is it, it is the way you it is the way you build your channel. It is not the way you make your money. Um, that makes and so sense. if you're on TikTok, you're making money by making shorts. But even there, they now want you to create longer videos mm-hmm. so right. that they can keep people on place. And so on YouTube, you you get your audience through a short, but you keep them and you make your money with the long formats. The long form. But you said that YouTube is only ten percent. So I assume you're I are you using Patreon? Or are you doing? Yeah, you have ad revenue. You have plan sales. Um, I, I don't do any sponsorships. Most okay. YouTubers sponsorships are like forty percent of their income. Okay. Um, uh, I'll I'll do um, Patreon memberships. Um, thank yous. Um, uh, I sell uh, merch and, and physical mm-hmm. goods. Uh, I think I have like what, eight different income streams. Um, okay. And it, it really works well because often when one of them goes down, another one starts coming up. Um, and you can really cater a lot of what you're doing to try and bolster one of them. And, 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 mm-hmm. and it, yeah, it is nice because you're not putting all your eggs in one basket. <laughs> right, right. That's that's and true. and wanting to have be able to to have that be the only thing. You got to have a lot of baskets to to make sure that yeah. you're you're stable. So, yeah. yeah. And, and like you said earlier, you know the the technology is volatile. We never know which direction it's going to go. So mm-hmm. you need some buffer built in there. Um, yeah. Otherwise, things could go crazy. Um, on that, well, in, for instance, things like shorts. Um, if, if a channel isn't doing shorts right now, by the end of this year, the channel will be dead. It's wow. Now, if, if you had said that a year and a half ago, you'd be laughed at, but anyone doing it now will realize that that's completely true. And so who knows what next year is going to bring and what change is going to be there. Um, and so a lot of the, a lot of being a YouTuber is just trying to figure out where is it going now what what is the new mm-hmm. not exactly trend but how are people finding you because eventually people are going to get tired of shorts and there's going to be mm-hmm. something else i, I imagine yeah. keeping your overhead low not having like a huge production staff because i've seen some of these youtube channels when you yeah. realize that they've got yeah. 20 or 30 people employed 
to see the one person that's on there. It sounds like you've kept yours really tight and, and small for yeah. the most part, let you be a little more maneuverable in that space. Yeah, um, like uh, Rex, Rex Kruger, uh, he's another, the two of us have basically identical channel. Our, our audiences overlap unbelievably. Mm-hmm. And he had, he went full professional in that he got a studio space. He mm-hmm. has hired full-time staff. Um, and it has worked out very, very well with him. He's been able to keep his head above water. Um, but if you talk with him, he is always very stressed about, I don't <laughs> know how it's going to come about. Because not only is he thinking about himself and his family, he's hired a bunch of people who are now right. relying on him. And so he's got this whole thing he's got to keep afloat. And that's a lot of stress. Um, and my yeah. wife and I have made the desi- decision that we're I could grow a lot faster and a lot bigger if I put more money into it and brought in other people. Mm-hmm. But at this point, we want to keep it small. We want to keep it in-house because it gives us the flexibility for, you know, if I'm slow to picking up the next trend, then I've got a little bit of flexibility to, to ride through that. Right. And so do, are you, do you see a trend on the horizon? After, I mean, are you beyond the short videos? Um. No, I mean, not right now. We're, we're still trying to figure out the shorts. That's we're, <laughs> we, we haven't gotten to the, the, the crest of the wave on that yet. Um, it's, it's one of those things you never see until it's on you. Um, right. You, you generally don't see it coming. You're, you're boiling frog in the water. And, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> the, the, the clicking moment for me was actually um, I watch a lot of other channels. Um, I have like mm-hmm. 800 channels that I subscribe to. And I try to keep abreast about what things are they doing. And I watched, um, I don't remember what channel it was, but he was actually doing a a, a track of what f- video formats he had been doing over the years. And he had been, uh, it was about seven, eight years ago, if you made a video over five minutes, it would, it would crash. It would not go anywhere. Right. And then it kind of stretched up to about 10, 15 minutes. And last year, the videos, if you were doing a video that was around 45, 50 minutes, it was, it was crushing. It was going mm-hmm. amazing um, because it was more watch time and YouTube could put a dozen ads in it over the course of it. And then shorts came out and the viewership on YouTube dropped. And um, everyone was looking at, at, uh, at TikTok because its viewership was going up. And so we're kind of going full cycle and going back to the shorts now. And now I'm finding that actually the shorter videos, like five or six minutes, those are easier for the people coming off of shorts to jump into. Whereas if they're coming from shorts, they're not going to want to jump into a 20 minute video. Um, And so it just seems like shorts are going to sort of eat themselves. If they're not profitable and everybody wants them, then you, people are going to go to them. But if they can't make any money, they're going to stop making them. And then there's, no content. Well, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of things we do that make no money at all. But That's we true. do them because they, they make the things that do make money possible. Um, and okay. There are a lot of things that we do that just don't make sense in a strictly financial sense. Uh, but they bolster up something else that, that does. And it's gotcha. Yeah. They're, they're very much in that case. That makes a lot of sense. And it's funny that you mentioned Rex Kruger. I, I watched some of his stuff too. And I saw one of his shorts 
and the short was why am I making shorts? And he said that he like went and did a presentation at a high school and the high school people like broke everything down and said, you know, if you do shorts, your channel is going to go up and they laid it all out for him in a business plan format. And he's like, and that's why I make shorts now. So, uh, which, which was a lot of what you were talking about, but he, he went to some high school that did like a business project and, and that's, at least that's what he said in his video. So I thought that was kind of yeah. funny. Um, now, and the interesting thing about shorts, though, is that depending upon the platform, different shorts do differently. Mm -hmm. uh, if you mm -hmm. go to mm -hmm. TikTok, it's all about being trendy and being cool, and it's usually around 30, 40 seconds long, and they don't care about learning. They don't care about... Um, they don't care about the wow factors. They're just wanting something to, to catch the attention and keep you mm -hmm. rolling. Um, if you go and watch the reels on Instagram, if you make a reel longer than 15 seconds, it bombs. And they mm. need to be crazy short, 10 to 15 seconds. And they're just eye-catching and done, eye-catching and done. Um, whereas on YouTube, shorts have to be 45 to 59 seconds. If they're, if they're shorter than that, they don't do well. And YouTube really, the, the shorts that do well are the informational shorts. Uh, because people go to YouTube to learn something. They mm -hmm. go, you know, how do I fix my car? How do I do right. this thing in my house? And that's, that's really where YouTube shines is the, the how-to world. And if you have shorts that fit that format, then they do well. And so you have a lot of people who try to move from TikTok to YouTube, and they bring their footage over, and it just doesn't work here. Um, mm -hmm. Right. And so you kind of have to cater to it. And there are quite a few people who actually make the same video for all three major platforms, and they will rework the video for each one mm. to, to make it fit each platform. You, you've got a, a short playlist that I watched and that I thought was really good. It's, I think it's called Arguments, where you like, you know, Western Saw versus Japanese Saw, and, and, and you kind of yes. go back and forth. And I love them because, like you said, they're about a minute long, but you're giving me information, and at the end of it, I can be like, "All right, so that's that," and and I think I'll go this other way, or you know, it. I, I took something away from it in in a minute or less, which is nice, um, especially because what I'm struggling with is my getting my oldest to like what he, he's trying to get into several hobbies right now. One of which is blacksmithing. I've gotten him some stuff to do some blacksmithing. <laughs> And I'm like, you need to watch these videos. And he's like, they're more than five minutes, Dad. I don't want to sit down and, and watch them. And I'm yeah. just like, look, I've gotten you. And I bought him a small anvil because there's now anvils that are affordable. And I'm like, mm -hmm. before you can play with it, you have to watch this video, which is going to show you the things you need to do to prep it. And it's like pulling teeth trying to get him to watch anything that's more than five minutes long. And I'm wondering if yeah. that's a generational thing. Am I just used to watching stuff longer um, you know, I don't think it's a generational thing I think it's just a, a stage of life thing because uh, every, every generation goes through ebbs and flows and different things at different times um, yeah I mean I, I look at my kids now and wonder like why don't they do and I'm like I, you know what I was about five years six years yeah. older than that now that I think about it you know so uh, what happened in September yeah I wanted <laughs> to show you this graph and can you see when I started shorts yeah, it looks Oh, like is that what happened in That's September? when I started shorts. Goodness. September 22. So, yeah. Just boom. Uh, that, I mean, the, the, top is one that... Is, the top one is views. The bottom one is subscribers. That... Is this lifetime? 
Um, no, this is just the last three years. Okay. I was going to say right. the spike there looks like the spike in used car value during COVID. I mean, it's huge. <laughs> it just went through the roof. Um, that is wild. Yeah. That's, so that, that's what shorts do. Huh. Wow. That's a, and for those who, who yep. aren't seeing it, this is a massive jump. Um, it, it seriously, it's a massive spike. It, it looks like, you know, like when Google oh, took a... off or Apple takes off or something. Um, yeah. and if, if you're watching and want to see it, um, go to socialblade.com and just search for wood by right Two, And, uh, you'll see the same graph. Interesting. But yeah, I, I show that to people who aren't doing shorts and it's like, you, you need to do them. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is fascinating like for us because we're, well, we're experimenting now. We dived into this podcast thing kind of by accident. Um, Mm-hmm. So um, this is this is really really interesting. Um, and the the odd thing about the with the shorts is I've talked to several other creators who have tried doing shorts and they're like shorts don't work. And if you go and look at their shorts, they are copied off of TikTok or something like that. And it's like if you want to do them on YouTube, you've got to make them a make YouTube them short this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and if you look at the the creators who are really doing well right now with shorts, they're teaching something. Yeah. Right. I, I've if seen you're those. just showing something being built. You're not actually teaching it. I've seen those, right. and I've also seen because it's like it's weird. It's like I clicked on one, and I can't stop clicking on it. There's almost like a serial show that's going on of, and this is just horrible. It's like reality TV of these people who dress up as the mascots of the fast food industry, and they have like these shorts, and it's just like them living in the Big Brother house, and it's just little bits. That one has filled up my YouTube, and it's just I can't not click on it, and it's just horrible. Uh, but the other one is uh, stand-up comics, I've noticed, have mm-hmm. really oh, yeah. exploded with shorts. And yep. um, because I've been getting back into stand-up, and my buddy Daniel uh, is, has pulled me back into stand-up. Oh, I'm uh, a junkie. We won't yeah. even go there. The other thing you'll see is that on YouTube, you get a lot of talking. Mm-hmm. If you go to mm-hmm. TikTok and Instagram, there, there's no talking. Very much. How do you... Uh, uh, combat the algorithm i mean i don't know how <laughs> how are you having issues with it are you in a fight with the algorithm or no, i've heard I, that from a lot of okay. other creators who were real big in that mm-hmm. 150 to well, 300 you have, range you have the first generation youtubers where they were the the, the first people to hit under 100,000 mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. at that point if you were making videos and you made them consistently you were ranked because you were the only ones there. And then YouTube said, you know, if we're just pushing these ranked people, then no one's ever going to find anyone new. And we have to have new blood because if you don't have new people coming up, you're going to get old and stale. And so YouTube's algorithm started focusing on, let's find what people want to watch regardless of their rank. And, that really threw a lot of legacy creators for a loop because mm-hmm. they were making their money merely on their rank. Mm-hmm. And right. their videos had become the same old, same old that everyone had been seeing. Um, and so there is a lot of chasing that and, and, and trying to be what YouTube is looking for. But what I've found and what I try to do is I make videos that I want to watch. Um, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I purposefully think about what I am watching when I'm YouTube. What are the, the channels that I'm going back to? Mm-hmm. 
And I, I ask myself, what is it about? Is it how they're editing? Is it how they're talking? And I try to incorporate little bits of that. Um, just things like sometimes I will take out um, the breath in a sentence because it makes everything flow a little bit quicker and there's less chance that someone is going to hit a snag where they turn off and go away. Um, and there are times when I do that and there are times when I don't, depending upon the, the, the setting of what I'm talking about. Um, and I, I find that if I'm making stuff that makes me want to watch it, if I go back to one of my own videos and watch it and I realize that I've been watching my own video for the last four minutes, right? then I realize that's something people are going to want to watch. Mm-hmm. And right. if it's something people want to watch, YouTube's going to put it out. Uh, and so I don't really chase the algorithm as much as that. And there are times when the algorithm hurts me, and there are times when it doesn't. Uh, so it, it kind of comes and goes. I, I like that because uh, I first got into YouTube as a learning tool with something called bushcraft, which is kind of like primitive camping type stuff. Yeah. And yeah. I have watched these channels that I went to to learn from, and, and they were again, like you said, shorter, like instructional videos, how to like tie knots, how to do this, how to do that. And I've watched mm-hmm. them, ch- like you said, chase the algorithm. Cause like one of them turned into, I have to build these big giant, like fort things in the woods and make it 45 minutes long. And this particular person that I watched talks a lot about it on the YouTube video. And, and it's almost like they're upset. They're like, why aren't y'all watching my videos? Why aren't you clicking my thing? Yeah. Yep. Go to my website and sign up to get Nobody likes watching that. email blasts. Yeah. And, <laughs> And, and it's sad because the, the person is a good instructor. Like mm-hmm. when I watch their videos, especially I find myself going back and watching their early videos to get refreshers and stuff. Cause you know, my, my youngest is starting to want to go camping and do that kind of stuff. So I have to shake the rest off. Um, but yeah, I'll get to a point in the video where, Oh, I can go, they're going to start talking about it now. And I just turn it off. And yep. one of the things I've liked about yours and Rex's and a lot of the other people's that I, I call the kind of the creator community that are teaching, um, at least that's what I call it in my head, the, the people who are teaching older skills, uh, is the positive, upbeat nature for all the videos. I don't think I've ever heard yeah. anybody complain about anything. Yep. Um, the closest would have been when somebody, I think when Rex talked about the struggles Anne of all trades was having because she mm-hmm. tried that experiment where she moved and did all that. But she wasn't complaining about it, and he was trying to raise money for her when all, all that, that stuff happened. Yep. Um, and I know I get enough negativity in the world that when I click on YouTube to learn something, I don't want to hear somebody complaining about it. So yeah, that's an awesome thing that I know you do. And, and how do you keep the energy up? How do you keep the positivity constantly going forward? Because I know everybody's got stuff, right? <sighs> you know... Th- there is a character I become when I'm in front of the, the camera. And yeah. the character is me, but it is the type of me that I want to be. It is not who I always am. <laughs> Talk to my kids. There are times when I'm not that person. Um, and I, 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 I am an actor. Uh, I, I have to be an actor. I have to have a certain cadence to how I talk and how mm-hmm. I present things. That's just part of making content. And that comes from kind of creating that persona. And it is who I am, or it is who I want to be. And being able to, it just becomes natural. I just, it, it comes mm-hmm. on when I'm there. 
when the camera turns on, I'm, hey, I'm James Wright, and today we're going to work on whatnot. And I just have a smile on my face because there is something deep inside me that likes working with hand tools. I enjoy every moment I get to be in the shop. And I love it when I don't have to turn on a camera and I can just zone out and have fun and make curls. And I kind of try to embody that moment in everything I say. Um, yeah, for, I mean, for instance, uh, Roy Underhill. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, if you've ever met him in person at a, at a conference of this, he acts and feels the exact same way he is in his videos. And he has that same personality and persona. And that, that is his persona that he carries when the video comes on. But if you ever met with him away from a trade event, uh, I remember the, the first time I we were at, uh, was at Woodworking America and we were going back to the hotel and I ended up being in the, the elevator with him. And he he had just been talking with a bunch of people and we got in the elevator and we we're going up the floor and you could see suddenly this weight came off his shoulders and he was a slightly different person. Mm-hmm. And you could see that there, there was a reality there. And mm-hmm. it wasn't that he wasn't being real with everyone else. It's just that that is, that's what people come to see. They want to see that, that enjoyment. They want to see that, that happiness, um, because you're not going to see it when you're talking to your spouse and your kids every day, because it's life, but you want to go to YouTube and, and escape. Well, that makes, yeah, he's got it cranked up 20%. Yeah, In real life, Daniel and I both, are instructors for a tech company. And so anytime, and a lot of it's virtual and anytime you talk to somebody over camera, you lose a lot. So we say you got to crank it up to, you know, not crank it up to 11, but crank it up to 20 and you're on. So that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, which is probably why my YouTube videos don't do that well is because it's just like me, 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 (laughs) and it's just, (laughs) um, but, uh, um, yeah. So I've got a question. You good? No, no. You, I was, I was going to say, I want to okay. make sure we have a question we're asking everybody. Or uh, yeah, this is what I'm asking everybody, and so it's a little random. So, um, talk. We I, I, we talk a lot about perception and things. So, and something that I've been interested in is is the mind's eye, and so the question I'm asking is, what is your, what do you see in your mind's eye? Some people see nothing. Some people see a lot. So, what's your personal visualization in your mind? So, like, if you Look close, like. if you close your eyes and imagine Mickey Mouse, what do you see? <laughs> well, uh, that's that's an interesting one because I am um, extremely dyslexic. Okay. Um, and one of the things with the dyslexic brain um, is a dyslexic. It's a, it's a spectrum. You're not like mm-hmm. A or B. It's you can be more dyslexic or more standard. And the more dyslexic you are, the more you think in terms of images. Um, whereas a lot of people, when they're thinking about what they're going to say, they're thinking about the words they're going to say. Mm-hmm. I think about an image that is so perfect that can only be described by saying that particular sentence. And Interesting. Um, all of what I say has images. And mm-hmm. I, I think that has been a huge thing about how I could pick up hand tool woodworking so fast is I get to learn how to do things with my hands very quickly. Uh, and so I can, and I can think about something and mm-hmm. almost get the, the physical experience of it because it's wired the same way in my brain. So I can think about doing something and have that same feeling even without it actually being in my hands. And so a lot of what I do is 
is that very, very real three-dimensional world with smell, taste, touch, and history. So you're, you're picking up more sensory than just the imagery. You're actually yeah. almost feeling oh, yeah. it, smelling it, hearing it. Yeah, it's, it's the emotions. It's the, 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 the tension in the room. It's, it's everything. And you're and you're seeing the final product there, or mm-hmm. whatever, or whatever you're trying to do, and then you're also feeling the doing of it and the emotion of the doing of it at the same time. Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. That's it, amazing because it, it's almost so I, like we have three different points on the spectrum. The, yeah, you're you're further on the visual and sensory than I am. So I've got. I'm dysgraphic. I, they called it dyslexic yeah. when I was in high school, but now they call it dysgraphic because. I don't have the problem reading, but when I output, mm-hmm. everything flips and things like that. And I can do a, little, yeah. a lot of the visual like you were talking about, but I don't smell it. I don't. I can kind of hear it because I can put a soundtrack to it. Um, but Daniel's on a very different spot. I've got nothing. No visual whatsoever. And so I just learned that was like I just sort of found out a few years ago that like, wait a minute, people actually see things in their heads. And it was like, whoa. And it just sort of changed everything in my perception of that so yeah if you, if you go and talk to uh most of the 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 big name woodworkers they're dyslexic mm-hmm. interesting um, like Annabelle trades rex kruger shannon rogers matt cremona uh they're they're dyslexic because it, it just there's something about being able to manipulate something in your brain and get that experience before you actually do it that just allows you to pick it up faster yeah it's all yeah, everything's everything's structural and spatial mm-hmm. in your yeah okay and and see I also have an interesting experience because my my oldest son is extremely high functioning autistic and he struggles with fantastical visualization you know like mm-hmm. he couldn't imagine like we couldn't play Dungeons and Dragons it's very he might be able to now but younger he couldn't but mm-hmm. he could look at an airplane and build it out of styrofoam and the, the foam board and stuff. And it, it was yeah. perfect, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he, I handed him as a child, I would hand him action figures. He's like, what am I supposed to do with these? But I gave him Lincoln Logs and he built an exact replica of the house we lived in. And so he comes at visual in a very different way than like my brain does at all. Yeah. Um, so we've, we've really been getting into perception and all of that and like, how do we see the world? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, When I was in high school, I found a font... Um, that all of the letters are shaped heavier on the bottom mm-hmm. so yes. that they stay upright because, you know, like an E is heavy on the top and it wants to fall over. Um, and that was one of those aha moments for me of being able to... My, my brain is putting physics to things that don't, don't have physics. You know, don't need physics, yeah. Um, and it, it's interesting. Yeah, if you ever read, uh, there's a book called uh, The Gift of Dyslexia, and no. it talks about that that characteristic and how the the gift of dyslexia is you do have that ability to manipulate and change things. Yeah, I was, I, um, I worked at a hardware store when I was uh, fourteen, and everything had a six digit code we had to type into the computer mm-hmm. to bring up the price. Um, but I couldn't do that. I would it, six digits would would always get flipped, and so I found that if I said two numbers out loud and then I said two numbers out loud and then I said two numbers out loud I would hear it and then I would type it correctly because I would flip them when I said it and I'd flip them back when I typed it that's, that's so I'd have I'd have people like oh you read that wrong it's like no I typed it correctly <laughs> yeah I, 
I got it. I know what yeah. I'm doing. Well, it, <laughs> like, it's it's fascinating to me because I can't spell. Right? Everything, the output is always wrong. Yeah. But I learned to type when I was in eighth grade. I took a typing course back when we had electric typewriters. And I can type 98% better than I can write. Like it's almost, I still need yeah. spell check, yeah. but it's, mm-hmm. it is way better output. And it makes no sense to me other than I learned a at a different point in my life, and I hardwired my hands to, to do it on the keyboard. So I can spell things on the keyboard that I can't spell with a pencil. And it's just yeah. fascinating yeah. to me that that's well, how I, the brain works. I broke my brain at one point. I was using – I was doing tech support at the time, and we used a lot of um, – you know, autofills. So you type in two letters and it types in a word or, you know, whatever. And so I I did it with a couple things for so long that at one point I I was writing something by hand and was writing the the shortcuts, not the actual words. <laughs> it was like, oh, I've actually like rewired this well, in my brain and, and had to unlearn that. China <laughs> China actually has a a, a problem with that. Um, because they use the standard QWERTY keyboard. Right. To type out Chinese letters. Well, there's, there's thousands and thousands of Chinese characters. And so the way they do it is they phonetically pronounce it and they'll type out the phonetic pronunciation of the character and the, the computer will give them like two or three options and they'll choose the correct one and then they'll go to the next one and they'll choose the next one. But the problem is that a lot of Chinese have been having the issue that they can no longer know what the actual spelling of the correct letter is because of the phonetic pronunciation. And they can no longer actually write the Chinese characters because they know them from the QWERTY keyboard. Oh, wow. Interesting. And and that makes even more sense because you're going from a pictogram style language to a... Yeah, I mean, that's a whole... alphabet style language. That's like three levels of bad translation to end up with your, your... You know, yeah, that's amazing. That's fascinating. Um, <clears throat> well, we don't want to keep you too late. Thank you very much for for coming and uh, thank you. You know, doing the My interview pleasure. with us. Um, and uh, um, yeah, do you have anything you want to plug or anything upcoming you want to talk about or any anything before we wrap up? Your socials or any of that good <laughs> stuff. Where, where you can, can find me where you? all the cool people are. Woodbyright.com. <laughs> Woodbyright on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you know, all those places. <laughs> all the good stuff. Good. Well, thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Uh, we appreciate you being here. Yeah, we really appreciate it. All right, we'll see you guys. You, you, are, you are our first person who we didn't already know. So <laughs> we, we really appreciate it. All right. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you again next time. Bye.